Welcome to Wild Ideas Worth Living. This is a podcast where we talk to experts who have taken a wild idea and made it a reality. From sailing around the world to launching a thriving business or just standing up for what you believe in, some of the wildest ideas can lead to the most rewarding adventures. With your host, journalist Shelby Stanger. Welcome to episode three of Wild Ideas Worth Living. This episode is brought to you by Graced by Grit. The women's fitness company was founded to help empower women cultivate their grit to find their grace. I love their name and I love their yoga and running pants. Not only do they make my booty look good, which is always important, but they offer classic styles and flattering fits made from the highest quality materials. They always look good on. Go to gracedbygrit.com and check them out. And when you enter the code WILDIDEAS, you'll get 20% off your first order. This episode was also brought to you by Surf Diva. The original all-women's surf school has been teaching group, private, all-women, and co-ed lessons at their stunning San Diego location for over 20 years. I've taught surf lessons there for years and seen hundreds of men and women come through, learn to ride waves, and it literally changes their lives. Go to surfdiva.com or give them a call, and when you book a lesson in San Diego and mention this show or the code WILDIDEAS, you'll get a $10 gift card to use towards your next lesson or in their store. Today's guest, Cindy Whitehead, has taken a lot of wild ideas to life. At 14 years old, she signed her name as Andy on the Manhattan Beach Little League roster so she could play with the boys. A year later, she took up skateboarding, which was really a sport unheard of for girls at the time. She was a professional skateboarder by age 17. She became one of the top-ranked female skateboarders in the world for pool riding and for the halfpipe. And to this day, she's one of the only females to ever be featured in a two-page article plus centerfold in a skateboarding magazine. Just a few years ago, Cindy did something really wild. She wrote the number for a bail bondsman on her arm. She used a Sharpie pen. Then she hopped her fence and rode her skateboard down the middle of one of the busiest freeways in the world, the 405 freeway in LA. Why? Well, why not? Today, Cindy runs Girl is Not a Four-Letter Word, which is a brand and a movement. She's a sought-after consultant and a stylist with a mission to empower equality for women in skateboarding, which skateboarding now is an Olympic sport as well as other action sports. She's also a leading sports stylist. She started in fashion at age 22 and has styled athletes including Tiger Woods, Kobe Bryant, Drew Brees, Mia Hamm, and Peyton Manning. She's also worked with brands like the NBA, Nike, Adidas, Levi's, Gatorade, Coca-Cola, and so many more. Cindy's going to share a little about breaking barriers, rules of the road, literally how to avoid road rash, how to get a hold of people like Joan Jett when you need them most, and so much more. Cindy, welcome to the show. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. I can't wait to talk to you. Awesome. Well, can you just can we just start at the very beginning? So, 14 years old, why did you why did you want to play with the boys? Why sign your name as Andy and and not just play softball or whatever it is that the girls your age were playing at the time? Yeah, it, it, that's a great question. Well, first of all, softball and baseball are two completely different sports. They're they're not one and the same and 
I think over the years and even now, people try to push girls towards softball rather than allowing them to play baseball. There's a big thing going on about that right now. Yeah. And back back in those years, I was about 14 years old and Title IX had passed in 1972, but Title IX was not really being enforced properly. There were a lot of problems. Um, it had passed, but yet people weren't adhering to it. So, And they kind of dragged their feet on that. I believe it was until 1984 when... Um, they got back on the program and said, this really needs to happen. So it was a great thing, but it wasn't being enforced. So I remember when I went to go try out for Little Lake and my friend, Sean Williams, who's a girl was with me and I just looked very tomboyish. And when I write my name, Cindy, sometimes the A loops into the C it looks like Andy. So I went with full intent of saying, I'm a girl and I'm here to play. <laughs> well, they assumed my name was Andy. So I just let them think it was. And I didn't say anything because I thought this will be interesting to see if I'm treated better or where they'll put me. Well, they allowed me to play. I was not a bench warmer. There was there were no other girls on that team at the time. And it was funny because I played for a while and then I actually got really bored with it and moved on to skateboarding. So once I had done it and once I had figured out I could play and I kind of, you know, I don't know, got in sideways, if you will, I was done with that after a while. That's awesome. And so you're in about you're about 8th grade at the time and then immediately got into skateboarding. So what about skateboarding lured you in? I mean that that sport I've done it a bit myself and when you fall on a skateboard, you hit asphalt. It it doesn't feel great. Um I'd love to talk for you to talk to me about kind of what about the sport has lured you in and and why you were so hooked so immediately. It's yeah. I grew up in a beach town and I still live in a small beach town, Hermosa Beach, California. And I grew up surfing a bit and people, you know, skateboarded when there was a lull with the waves. And my brother, um, didn't really surf, but he did pick up a skateboard and he was good at a lot of different sports. And I tried all those sports, swimming, um, water polo didn't do so much, but I kind of followed him into all those sports. And at the time I was horseback riding and showing horses and, when he picked up a skateboard, I was like, Oh, I'm going to try that too. And quickly I found out that I was a bit better than him at riding a skateboard. Oh, that's awesome. And that was, <laughs> yeah, that was, that to me was really cool when your brother's four years older than you and there's just two of you in the family and he's always beating you at everything, board games, everything. You just want to beat him at something. And I was like, Oh my gosh, the guy can't ride a skateboard very well. This is awesome. So that was initially, I think, why I was so excited about it. But quickly it went from a sense of freedom. You don't have to have teammates. You don't have to wait for a little league schedule to come up and practice times or a field to open. You can just grab your board, walk out the door of your house and say, I'm going skateboarding with my friends and hit the strand, hit the pier, hit the streets find anything you can to skate. And there's freedom in that. Yeah. And I've always liked the fact that in skateboarding, you can actually travel. And as a kid, that's yeah. a big deal. It's a huge deal. It's a huge deal. And it's not like a bike where you got to find a place to lock it up or park it or whatever. You're on your skateboard. You just carry it with you and you move from place to place and you find people who like to do that same thing. And, and they usually are very, you know, everybody's pretty like-minded in skateboarding to some extent. So you find your tribe and that's a really cool thing. Tell me about the skateboarding tribe. I, I've just, it's, it's an iconic tribe and um, not many people have described it very well that are outside of skateboarding. So I'd love for you to kind of give us an insight of what, what sort of ideals and values skateboard tribe has. I, I think a skateboard tribe um, for us, we are family. Uh, we can go anywhere in the world and say we're a skateboarder and somebody would 
take us in, help us, hang with us, have dinner with us, bring us over for dinner. It's just a community of people that, okay, you're somebody different. You're somebody doing something outside the box. We immediately know you, like you, and trust you without even knowing that much about the rest of your life. You could grow up in poverty. You could grow up very wealthy. You could grow up on the other side of the world. It doesn't matter. You have this thing in common that the rest of the world probably doesn't. And we gravitate towards each other. And I think with skateboarding being like a family, I mean, always there's there's situations within families that are that are bad situations or rifts or conflicts or whatever. But I've noticed in skateboarding, we keep those to ourselves. We, we um, hold our own dearly. We protect our own. Even if we have issues with one another, we don't voice those publicly. We tend to be like a really close-knit family. And that's one of the things I really love about skateboarding. So at the time when you started skateboarding, you said this was kind of the late 70s, early 80s, not many women skateboarded at the time. So what was it like being a woman in a sport dominated by guys? It, it was, for me, it was great. You know, I grew up with a brother, so I was always hanging out with him and his friends. And I had a few girlfriends too that were very tomboy like me, um, which actually now is a really cool thing. But back then it was a bit different. We didn't wear dresses. We hopped fences. We did what I thought was cool stuff and skateboarding growing, you know, growing up and skating with all boys to me, it just seemed kind of normal. Um, those are the people that I was hung around at the beach and I had a couple girlfriends who also did the same. So to me, that was where we belonged and those were our people. And I never thought that maybe they thought of us differently. Maybe they did, but I, I never let it go through my brain like that. Like, Oh, we're different or we shouldn't be here. I just assumed I belonged. And that's kind of the premise that I operated on. And it seemed to work okay. Yeah, definitely seemed like it worked okay. But <laughs> there was a story you told me when, um, you know, there, there'd been some naysayers early on and you would skateboard with headphones on. Yes. Um, there are people early on who said you shouldn't skate, you couldn't skate. So my biggest question is kind of why did you keep saying, how did you t tune out the naysayers and, and talk to me a little bit about the headphone usage? Yeah, there are always going to be people in life that are naysayers or or want to put you down for what you like to do. And I think those people are usually kind of unhappy in their own lives. So I noticed that the people at the skate park who weren't the ones skating, who were the ones watching, I'd hear comments and not all of them bad, some of them really good. But I did hear a comment here and there like, is that a girl? Is that is that really a girl going to drop in and skate? Does she think she can do that? That's a half pipe. Come on. And I'd hear stuff like that. And, and I found it kind of funny, but I also found it very distracting to have to listen to. So I had a friend that had these Radio Shack headphones and he let me borrow them and I put them on my helmet and I was like turning into the local radio station because you can only get radio <laughs> on them. And then, so I'm dialing it in and I would wait until I found a really great song and then I would just barge. I would just push past you and drop into the half pipe. I might sit there and wait, you know, 20 minutes for a run because I was waiting for a good song, but I got really into it. And I think for me, it was a great place to tune out all those distractions, good and bad, and just focus on me skating. And it pushed me higher on the wall. I felt like it made me skate better. I just related to music, especially really empowering music. I love, um, I love that you had yeah. to wait for a song because it was the radio. Yeah. This is not an iPod. <laughs> oh, no, funny. I totally had to wait for a song. And so some people would think like, 
God, you know, and, if, and if a song came on really quickly when I got to the back, um, to when I got back up to the top of the half pipe, I might go again. I might not really wait turns. I mean, in <laughs> skateboarding, you don't really have to wait turns. You just drop in. But for a girl to do it, it's a little brash at, in those days. And if a good song came on, I was going to drop in again. I wasn't going to wait five people to drop in. I was going to go right then because I didn't know when another good song might come on. So what was your song back then? It, well, it depends. I mean, I was really into female... Um, singers for one that was super cool to me Joan Jett was someone that I just totally loved and I listened to Bad Reputation and Cherry Bomb and all those songs um obviously I listened to the Rolling Stones and I even listened to pop music I have to say <laughs> I was pretty open um the only thing I wasn't a huge fan of is punk music I I didn't skate so well to punk and that was big back in the day how funny it's funny how so many Badass females love Joan Jett. I was just reading Ronda Rousey's book last night, and she oh. said she walked out to Joan Jett's song every time. Yeah, yeah. Ronda Rousey, love her. And yeah, she is a big Joan Jett fan for sure. And I love it when she walks out to that song. So for those people who don't skate, because a lot of people have an experience dropping in on a half pipe, can you talk about what that whole experience is like and what it feels like? Yeah. Well, back then we had roll in sections. So you actually stopped at, started at the top of the half pipe and you rolled straight down in. Like when you see the X games on TV and you see snowboarding, they don't drop in from the, the side, like a tail drop, like we do in skateboarding. Now they roll in and drop down in, and that's what we would do. So as you're standing at the top of the pipe, you're calculating how much speed you're going to get depending on how fast you push off and what wall you're going to hit and what trick you're going to do. And it's it's a rush. Every run can be different. Um, some runs can end up with you on the bottom of the pipe hitting the asphalt. You just don't know. And the whole, the whole game in your head is how high can you get? How long can you stay on the board? What tricks can you pull off? And how's that run going to go? And that's all going through your head. Do you have any great skateboard moments, thrills, spills, just times you absolutely ate it on the half pipe or, you know, oh. every laundry sale on the <laughs> garage sale in the middle of the pool you want to share? Oh, I've had some really bad falls. Um, at the runway skate park, which was this humongous bowl, uh, I remember going up and doing a one-wheeler and catching my trucks on the edge and falling straight down and hitting my head super hard. Um, but it was a really positive moment because I, I didn't like the helmet that I wore at that particular time. My mom just happened to be coming to pick me up from the skate park, which she very rarely did. I got rides from other people. And she saw it happen. I was like, this is an opportunity to get that new helmet I've been wanting. <laughs> so so always one, I'm always one to turn a negative moment into a positive. So um, that was definitely one time. And I broke my elbow a few times and, you know, things like that. But you just, that's a moment in time. And there's so many positive moments where you don't get hurt like that, that those are the ones you focus on. And it, you just keep coming back for more because you crave it. So as a teenager, I mean, you were one of the only girls. You were doing something pretty radical at the time. Who were your influences at the time and kind of who helped shape you to sort of have the mindset that you had at the time? You know, it's funny. In the beginning, it wasn't anybody in skateboarding at all. It was my grandmother who helped shape me and um, got me to the point where I was like, I'm going to go to the skate park every single day and I'm going to skate. Um, she was always the one telling me I was no different than the boys and I could do this and I got this and just to keep doing it and have fun and enjoy it. And she was very encouraging about skateboarding. 
my mom was more traditional. My mom was a teacher and a little bit more traditional. And my dad was an attorney and he is very traditional. So for, for them, it was like, why is our daughter not wearing a dress? And why is she skateboarding? And why is this so important? My grandmother was a bit more of a rebel and she was the one telling me to go for it. And then besides her, you know, I had my tribe. I had my tribe of skaters here in the South Bay. And without those people like Michelle Kohler, Michael Kohler, and Kevin Anderson, and all these people I grew up skateboarding with, um, those were my people too. They were out there every day skating, and that's who I hung and skated with. So, of course, I wanted to be with them. So many teenagers, you know, they struggle with confidence to pursue their dreams because their parents, just like yours, maybe don't believe that they should be pursuing these things. It sounds like you surrounded yourself by really positive people. Um, there's a saying, you know, you're, you're a sum of the five people you hang around the most. But sometimes our influences as teens aren't that great. Can you, can you talk a little bit about how you chose your friends and you chose good people to hang around with that really pushed you to keep going in the sport besides grandma? I, I think that my philosophy then, even though I didn't know it at an early age, is the same one I have now. I don't like being around negative people. I don't like being around people who tell me that I can't do something or don't believe that I can do something. And I don't like, okay, I don't enjoy being around people who aren't motivated and trying to do something cool. It doesn't have to be the same thing that I'm doing, but somebody who's out there doing something and taking risks. Those are the people I like being around. You know, you always want to be around people who are doing more than you because that pushes you to do more. Um, and that, I think that's been my philosophy since I was young. So I've always just been around those types of people and I've kind of kept away from people who didn't have a positive attitude. I'm a big fan of the PMA, um, which speaking of doing crazy wild things and surrounding yourself with people who do crazy things, who skateboards down the 405 freeway? Like that's just <laughs> nuts. <laughs> so, somebody who wants to do something different that hasn't really been done and, um, has a, has a very supportive husband who's willing to help her hatch that plan and take pictures of it. Oh, wait, um, so let, let's go back backwards a little bit. So Cindy in 2012 was able to arrange to skateboard down a very large section of a very, very, what is usually a busy part of the 405 freeway, but you did it with zero cars you didn't die and somehow you didn't go to jail. Tell me how yes. this whole plan hatched and you did it and you made it happen really quickly. Well, during that time we had Carmageddon, they were, which is where they were closing the 405 freeway down I for 48 that. hours while they repaired a bridge. Yes. And that's Can you unheard imagine of. That, closing the 405 that, freeway today? Like that's just, <laughs> that yeah. itself is crazy. Yeah. So 2012, they had to do this to repair a bridge. And, uh, you know, LA was going to be at a standstill. You couldn't get anyway. The major artery to go everywhere was going to be closed. So they told everybody to stay home. They also told everybody the mayor got on TV. The police chief was on TV saying nobody should go on the freeway. Don't take this as an opportunity to play up there or do any, you know, stupid things. Um, and I thought, but it's a freeway and I hate that freeway. I'm stuck in traffic on it all the time. And how cool would it be to skateboard down that? And I talked to my husband about it and he's like, if you want to do it, we'll figure it out. So we, we scoped it out for days, um, to see where the entrances and exits were that they were blocking off. Well, it turned out they blocked all of them off and they had police stationed at every single one of them. <laughs> so it wasn't very easy to get on, but we started the, the, you know, 
adventure about 5.30 in the morning, and I interviewed some policemen along the way, asked them what was going on, did a few candids, and uh, two and a half hours later, we were coming home and thinking, I'm not going to get on this freeway. We'd almost been busted about three times trying to sneak on over barricades, and finally, we saw this hole in the fence and this embankment, and we just jumped out of the car. I ran up. He ran down jumped on the freeway, started skating. It was awesome. Not as rough and bad as I thought it would be. And uh, my husband was down below shooting pictures of the whole thing. We got off, threw all the stuff in the car. I had a whole plan, like threw a hat on, took my sweatshirt off, threw flip-flops on, threw all my stuff behind the cargo cover in the back of the car, and off we went. That way, if anybody thought it was us, I'm like, no, I got flip-flops on. I'm not even wearing a shirt like you're describing. I had it kind of all figured out. And you um, almost missed your exit. Yeah, I was. Yeah, there's a shot of me drive, um, <laughs> driving, skating down the 405 freeway, and I'm looking back a little to the right, going, "Oh man, there's there's an exit." And I was supposed to get off before that exit because there's a policeman at the bottom of that exit. So I, yeah, it was a little touchy, but we didn't get caught, and that was good. So, I mean, what what happened? What happened with the pictures? Like, what happened with the results? Yeah. Well, that's the power of social media. Um, I put it on Facebook. I also put it on Instagram and I hashtagged it Carmageddon. And as soon as I did that on Instagram, I started getting um, calls and emails from the Huffington Post, from CBS News, KNBC, basically anywhere and everywhere. The Today Show, everybody was calling and asking, you know, they didn't realize, I guess it was a girl at first and they were just interested who wrote down the 405. And then when they started finding out it was a girl in my history, then they were even more interested and it became quite, quite the news story. And it's still talked about today. And in fact, I just talked to the mayor of Los Angeles, um, Eric Garcetti about it yesterday and, uh, he gave me a smile and a high five. So (laughs) I think we're all good. <laughs> I think you're good. But you said it wasn't all peaches and ice cream. There was some ridiculous comments people wrote in. I mean, there's always going to be trolls on the internet, but can you just chat a little bit about that? Yeah, that was my first experience with trolls on the internet. I mean, I work with a lot of celebrities and I hear about these stories, but I've never really experienced it. And at the time, it was so awful. I I didn't even tell my closest friends what was going on. My husband was the only one that knew about the comments. We were getting um, comments like, you should die. You should be arrested. Yeah, you should be sued. You're an idiot. I mean, just the, the most, I can't even repeat some of them because they were so foul. But then I started realizing, like when I was reading them, I would say that 99.9% of those people had an anonymous account. Their name wasn't attached to those comments. All the positive comments outweighed the bad. And all the positive comments, I would say 90% of those people had a name and a profile pic attached to the account. So I started thinking, who are these people? Okay, I'm, I'm going to picture them in my head as somebody very miserable sitting in a basement typing on a computer that hates life and just wants to make other people miserable. And at that point, I shut the internet down. I stopped reading the comments. From that day till now, I have never read another comment, good or bad, about that freeway episode. And I tend not to read comments about stuff like that anymore. Yeah, that's that's really important to just, you know, tune out the negativity, stay positive at all times. I like that. Absolutely. Um, And, you know, you were inducted into the Skateboarding Hall of Fame just this past year, actually. Um, and when you, when you're inducted, you wanted to get the very best person to introduce you. Talk to me about who you got, how you got her and why. 
Well, when you get inducted in the Skateboard Hall of Fame, it is a pretty big deal. And um, it's, a, it's an amazing night. It always has been and one that I'm really pr- proud and honored to be part of and uh, part of this community. And I thought, who would I get to introduce me? And I, I said, God, I've always listened to Joan Jett. She's a badass woman. She's a breaking barrier. She's always kind of lived her life like hopefully I've lived mine. Um, she's had an amazing life. And I really admire her. So I told my husband and some friends, you know, this is who I want to get to introduce me. And people were kind of like, yeah, how's that going to happen? And I thought, you know, it's, it's the power of reaching out. And so I reached out to a couple of people I know that are very close to me in the music industry. One person put me in touch with another, um, who put me in touch with her manager. And I spent a lot of time writing a very succinct email to him and asking this question. And within about 12 hours, I had a reply saying, Joan would be happy to do this. We're thrilled that you asked and we will be in touch. And it went from there. And I, I, I couldn't be happier. And she's just the coolest, most badass person I've ever met in my life. And I'm, I'm proud to call her a, a new friend. That's a great story. So kids, if you want something, you just have to ask for it. And it happens a lot of the time, sounds like. And Cindy, you know, you segued pretty quickly after skateboarding into the celebrity world, into styling. You've styled some of the most influential athletes of our time, from Mia Hamm to Tiger Woods, Drew Brees, and so much more. Can you talk a little bit about how you segued from skateboarding to skateboard fashion to styling, and and you work with everybody from the NBA to Coca-Cola, Nike, and so many more? I just, I'd love to see how you kind of jumped into styling and sort of what you've learned um, and, and what you do in that world as well. When I was skateboarding, I was always into fashion. I was always into skate fashion, not high fashion, but skate fashion. I was always trying to figure out how to bring mainstream pieces into my skate fashion to wear to the skate park so that I stood out and looked different than the boys. So I luckily rode for some skateboards and they would do wonderful things for me. Like I'd think up things like, hey, can I have that Robin's blue egg blue t-shirt done with like a pink Sims logo on the back? And like their logos traditionally read, they could have said no, but they were so good to me. They'd let me create these pieces for myself and wear them. So I always tried to be a little bit different when I skated. And when I stopped skating, I had to think about what I'm going to do for a living. Um, skate parks were closing down. There wasn't a lot of travel or many. And I, I went into film and television. And quickly after that, I went into magazines and fashion. And I did celebrity fashion for a while. And then I discovered um, a couple of sports photographers that were just starting to do all this. And I started to work with them on these big accounts like Nike and Adidas, Gatorade, Asics, all sorts of things. And um, made that my career and trademarked the name and and never looked back. And I I could not be happier working with the athletes that I work with every day. They're so positive. They're amazing people. They've built their entire careers on, you know, being this pro or Olympic athlete. And that to me is inspiring to be around that all day is inspiring. I'm very, very lucky. That's a great job. <laughs> Sounds like you've carved a really great niche for yourself. And I mean, I know a little bit about sports styling because I ran the marketing at Vans for years and I don't know where you were. I would have loved your help when I had to <laughs> style my girls for photo shoots. But, but talk to me about styling athletes versus models. It's a big difference. Um, it, it is. It, it's a huge difference because when you go to a showroom and you try to borrow things for a photo shoot or have samples sent, they are sample size. That's why they're called samples. And they come in usually an extra small or a small, which is about a zero or a two, about a two, maybe up to a four <clears throat> for women. 
And for men, that's a whole nother story. You know, the shoes are a six for women. The men's shoes are a nine. Now, athletes are usually much bigger than those sizes all the way around. And they have different body shapes. Um, you quickly learn styling athletes like that. My soccer player girls would always say to me, hey, remember when you're buying jeans, buying with a little bit of stretch and, and this cut because I have soccer thighs. They don't say that as a bad thing. That's a strong point about them. I have soccer thighs. I worked hard for these. These are badass. And I don't fit into normal clothes right off the rack necessarily. And like ice skaters, um, their quads are really big. You know, they have really strong quads. So everybody's built differently. And I think I loved that challenge of finding clothes that looked good and fit the body that I was dealing with. And everybody wasn't the same. And that's the beauty of it. Are there any athletes that come to mind that you just really enjoyed working with over the years? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, Michelle Kwan, the Olympic ice skater, I dressed her for many, many years through quite a few Olympics and became a very close friend. And I just, she's just so fun to dress and willing to take fashion risks with me. And we did the Teen Choice Awards together and she wore this really great outfit that got tons of attention. And she's a risk taker. And I love that she really trusted me and listened to me. Um, Bethany Hamilton, the pro surfer who lost her arm in a shark attack is another one. She's just so fun to be around and so positive and fun to dress. And um, she's just great. A, a lot of my, I would say all my athletes are great and fun to work with. Well, yeah, for I've sure. been spending some time with Bethany. She is definitely a positive human to be around. It's, she it's incredible spending time with her. So what's your style? Like what's your daily get up? My style is kind of, I would say like boho chic. I like to layer stuff on. I'm kind of like a... Thomas Wilde, which is kind of a cool hip designer, Rick Owen style mixed with skate style. I kind of go back and forth, but I mix pieces. I'm not about labels. I'm about any place you find a cool piece, bring it home and add it. I, I go out sometimes and people are like, oh, I really like that. It's probably really expensive. I'm like, no, that's actually from Target. And they're like, no, it's not. I'm like, yeah, it is. Okay. The boots might be Chloe and the bag might be, you know, um, Balenciaga, but the top was from Target and I've layered it with a Rick Owens leather jacket. And you know, that's the whole thing. Style isn't about top name labels or expensive products. It's about cool things where you find them and how you put them together. That's really what it's about. So besides your style, do you have any other morning or um, daily routines you stick to every day, like morning rituals, habits, ways you eat, ways you train, things you yeah. say to yourself in the morning before you wake up? I I do. I'm one of those people, I'm totally a morning person. I think it's important to know whether you're a morning or a night person because that's when your um, productivity is the highest, I think. For me, I'm a morning person. So I jump right out of bed. I go straight to my home office. I immediately check emails. I check my schedule for the day. I feel like I'm dialed in when I do those things. I feel like my day will go really smooth and I'll get a lot accomplished. And I'm huge on getting a lot accomplished in 24 hours. That's my goal every day because I feel like there's always so much to do and there's a huge to-do list. But I'm also learning to take a break. I start about 5.30, take a break about 9.30 or 10.30 and go to like Soul Cycle. I love Soul Cycle. Nice. That's my, my mom's favorite place in the world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's my new favorite thing. I just discovered it in this last year and really like it. People are kind of badass and they're yep. all about pushing themselves. And it's just 45 minutes of me time 
and um, getting pushed hard. And I really, I really enjoy it. So that's something I try to do here and there when I'm in town for sure. Um, and I also jump on social media. I kind of check out what things are going on in social media. I love social media. It's one of my favorite things about my job and about um, girl is not a four letter word. So I jump on social media, try to post something, get my day rolling, see what everybody else is up to and then hit the ground running. So wait, let's talk about what girl is not a four letter word. Um, and by the way, I was expecting you to say, I wake up, I listen to Joan Jett, I look in the mirror, I tell myself I'm a badass, but you go to Soul Cycle and they, they kind of do that for you. They play Joan Jett and they're like, spin harder, you're a badass. It's, it's awesome. If anybody hasn't been to Soul Cycle, I highly recommend it. It is a little bit like a Saturday Night Live skit, but it is also an incredible experience and you can't help but not feel incredibly happy like you could conquer the world after a class. Um, Sorry, back to girls exactly. not a four letter word. What is girls not a let a four letter word? Um, why the name and what's the mission behind it? Well, the name I came up with one night. I sometimes I'm sitting around and I think of phrases and names and I write them down in a book. And I have this book that I keep everything in. And I knew it was going to be some sort of a phrase that I used at some point in time. And I did a uh, board for Board Rescue, which is a 501c3 nonprofit. They were raising money for um, skateboarding for inner city kids. And they asked me to do a prototype board. So I did one and I decided to try the phrase out there. And I did like heart with wings and I did this really cool shellac design on it and stuff. And it raised quite a bit of money for their nonprofit. And so when I started the brand Girl is Not a Four-Letter Word um, with Dwindle, and we did the first board with Dusters California, I was like, can we put this on the board? This is the phrase I want to use. And every guy in the room really knew what it meant, um, which was great. And what it does mean, younger kids sometimes ask me this, and boys especially, what it means is don't use girl as a slur. A lot of four-letter words are words that you're not supposed to say that are cuss words when you're growing up. And when you say things to a girl like, um, you skate pretty good for a girl or mm. you skate like a girl and you say it as an insult. Or even if you say, oh, God, Steve, you skate like a girl and it's meant as a funny remark, but it's not funny. That's using the word girl as a slur. And so girl is not a four letter word. And that's how we came up with it. So how can people kind of find out more and 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 help? Is there is there any any call to action about girl Absolute is not a four letter word? Absolutely. We have um, a collaboration skateboard with Dusters California, and we have two of them out now. They're in surf and skate shops all over, including Zoomies. You can buy them online. Nice. Um, they, The pink one right now says it's not about pretty, and it's a cruiser board. And the other one is designed by Dogtown Legend West Humpston, and it's a longboard. And both of those boards give back to 501c3 nonprofit called Exposure Skate. So those boards are out on the market now. So anytime you buy one of our products, it's giving back to girls in action sports in some way, shape, or form. So we have an apparel line. We have a helmet out right now. And we have the boards. So those are all ways you can help for sure. And Exposure Skate, what do they do? Exposure Skate is a 501c3 nonprofit that helps girls in action sports by putting on the largest skateboard contest of the year, which is actually happening on November oh, 5th. Yes, November 5th in Encinitas. And they also raised money for Carol's House, which is um, helping women who have been um, touched by, by any sort of domestic violence. That's a really great cause. Okay, so November yeah. 5th, Encinitas Skate Park. If this airs after, sorry. But um, every year, year, they every have year, it every year. Exposure exactly. Skate. Um, if you could go back and tell your 15-year-old self one thing, knowing what you know now, what would you tell her? 
I would tell myself to just keep doing what you're doing. Um, you know, you've already found your tribe. Keep doing what you're doing. It's it's all going to be great because I feel like I was on a good path then and I'm on a good path now. And I don't think I'd do anything differently, to be honest with you. I think it all turned out pretty well and I'm pretty happy. Even with the mistakes that I've made along the way, those all helped me grow. So I would just tell myself at 15, keep doing what you're doing. It's going to be pretty awesome as an adult. <laughs> That's great. Is there any, I don't know if you're a reader or not, but are there any books you love, um, you love to get, you love to gift um, that you recommend anyone should read? I, I do. I'm huge on reading. Um, I don't get as much time as I used to, but whenever I'm on an airplane flying somewhere, that's my uninterrupted time. And in the evening too, I try to take some time to read. I love to read. It's a guilty pleasure. I tend to read nowadays a lot of biographies and um, I'm still in the middle. I hate to say it. I haven't finished it because I've been putting it up and down so many times. Girl Boss by Sophia Amoroso. Oh, that's a great Amoroso. book. I love it. Um, yeah, it's a great book. It's one that I'd actually go back and read again and again. I think it's it's awesome. I also am kind of delving into the glitter plan, which is about how Juicy Couture um, started with $200 and turned their brand into multi-million dollar global branding. Um, and then the third one that I'm, I'm reading, I have the Ronda Rousey book too, by the way, you yes. mentioned that you were reading that. Another good one is find a way with Diana Nyad. She's the w woman who swam, um, from Cuba to Florida oh, yeah. and she tried it numerous times and did not make it and kept trying it again and again. And in her fifties, she conquered that and she's, I've met her and she is an amazing person. So that's a really good biography as well. How about the best gift you've ever received or gifted? I would say the best gift that I've ever received is support from people around me for what I'm trying to do for girl skateboarding. The letters, the emails, just somebody walking up to me and saying, this makes a difference. I, I got a huge email yesterday from, from a girl who's in a punk band and telling me that what I'm doing is making a difference. And to me, that's, that's the best gift I could ever get. That's a really good one. That's an awesome one. And you can't return it. So I really like that gift. <laughs> Um, exactly. If you could fly a plane, and I, in this case, we're going to say an eco-friendly plane because most of my okay. listeners are environmentally friendly. If you could fly an eco-friendly plane over the sky and it could read one message to the world, what would it say? Equality means equal. I like that. Equality means equal. Cindy, how can listeners find out more about what you're doing? You've been such a pleasure to have on the show. Um, I'd love to just hear any final parting thoughts, how listeners can find out more about what you're doing and get involved, check you out. I know you have a TED Talk on your website. I recommend everybody to check that out. Um, it was at the Kids TED Conference in Santa Monica. It's a great 10-minute TED Talk. Um, Cindy, I'll let, you, I'll let you answer that question before I keep talking. Well, <laughs> thanks for having me for one. It's been awesome to be here. I would say um, the best thing to do is check us out on girlisnotafourletterword.com. You can use the number four or the word F-O-U-R. It'll go to the same place. So girlisnotafourletterword.com. We're also on Instagram, girlisnotafourletterword.com. We're on Twitter and we're also on Facebook. Those are the, our main social media sites. And I think parting words for people would be go out there, have adventures and regret nothing. I love it. Thank you so much, Cindy Whitehead. She is definitely a girl boss, a badass, and you can check her out at girlisnotafourletterword 
com. Thank you so much, friends. And I'll have some more information in the show notes on the blog and on the website. Thanks again, Cindy. Thanks for having me. All right. Take care. Thanks for listening to episode three of Wild Ideas Worth Living. Cindy has such a great story. She's an incredibly empowering woman. We love her. Check her out at girlisnotafourletterword.com. And stay tuned for next week where we're going to interview a man named Joel Vanderloon. He's a wilderness survival guide expert. He actually taught my fiance and I how to make fire just using a piece of string and some wood making a bow drill the other day. It was a great experience. He's going to share more about skills you need to have to get outside to survive, things you're missing. And he's also going to share really incredible stories about growing up in Africa. What was that? What that was like, as well as encounters with some pretty wild animals. So stay tuned for next week. And while you're at it, check out wildideasworthliving.com. Sign up for the newsletter. Leave comments on social media. I'd love your feedback. And don't forget, some of the best adventures happen when you follow your wildest ideas.